Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This week on the Just Press Play podcast, we have a really fun interview with Benjamin Albright a draft expert and NFL insider. Plus, me and Pops get into our best and worst of the week and whether one dad is the worst on the planet. Then we get into one of the cool stories from the NBA and touch on one of our favorite teams cutting ties with a player that we've known for the past eight years. And then me and Dad get into a little more bathroom etiquette and then we finish it off with what we're listening to. So, like always... Just press play, and we will be back at our normal time for next week. So, with that being said, truth, hit the beat. Alright, so we are back a little later than usual, but and we're and we're missing one of the legs to our tripod here. It's just it's just me and Pops today. Hello, what's so, up? Yep. So Shout LJ out to you, had to miss you. <laughs> yeah, we're going to pour one out for L t- tonight. <laughs> but we um been a lot of traveling. We actually all got to see each other. We are all under the same roof this weekend. It was pretty cool, even though it was brief. I mean, there's a lot of traveling going on, and LJ and Hannah are back up in Chicago, and now. <laughs> um, let me go see what the hell he's looking at. Hang on. Buddy, what are you doing? What is it? Come on, let's go out in the backyard. Come on, buddy. Sorry. He, uh, there was a dog outside. He got a little excited. So, so where were we? We got Buddy to chime in since LJ couldn't be, and we had we had Pop's dog chime in. We Good put old my, Buddy, my youngest son. <laughs> <laughs> LJ, you've been replaced. So, all right, let's go ahead. Let's just jump to it. It's just me and Dad here. Let's jump to the best and worst of the week. Do you have a best for you this week? Yeah, but it's going to sound like I'm riding your coattails. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I got to see uh, LJ, Hannah, and you. Uh, got to hang out with Christy and and Tammy this weekend. Um, it's fun to, you know, we don't get to get together very often. And uh, especially with LJ, he's so far. And um, anyway, it was really good to, to hang around. And we played golf. It was a little chilly. Um, but it was <laughs> it fun. Was, it was, so, I wasn't out there for long, but it was chilly. But it was fun seeing everybody and hanging out. I'm glad I didn't. I wasn't going to mention that as my best, but I'm glad you did. So, because that was that that was my best of the week personally. 
But my best of the week, it just it has to be really everyone that competed in the Boston Marathon on Monday. The five it's the it was the five year anniversary of the Boston bombing that that happened. So shout out to everyone that finished it, and actually Des Linden won won the uh, race, ending a 32 year American woman drought in the Boston Marathon. So shout out to shout out to Des, yeah. but who I really want to give a shout out to, and this is my best of the week, is Mary Shirtenleib. She was, by the way, if you saw the conditions of the race, it was really cold, windy, rainy. I mean, it looked. I, you used to run a little bit back in the day. I don't run a lot, but when I have run, running in the cold is tough for me. Like my lung, like everything gets cold in my chest. I just don't see how people do it. Depends on how cold. You know, I can you know thirty degrees, but it not much colder. cold. Cold and, and rainy. Yeah. Ooh. <clears throat> and windy. Yeah. No, not rainy. So all of them finished. That's that's great. <laughs> but certainly finished. She was five years ago. She was diagnosed with leukemia. And she beat it after two relapses and a stem cell transplant. She beat leukemia. So that's... Gosh, dog it. I have an alarm going off. Stop. Real, real world, y'all. <laughs> so not only did she beat leukemia, which is the biggest win she could get, but she decided this year she was gonna run, she's been a runner, and she decided she's going to run the Boston Marathon in order to raise money for the... Dana Farber Cancer Institute. And that was her goal was just to raise money. And she ran 15 miles of the race and she stopped at 4 p.m. And she was towards the back of the pack. And you most people thought she was going to hang it up and she, could, she wasn't going to be able to finish the race because she hadn't trained like she had been previously because she's just recently beaten leukemia. But she, right, do, she right. doesn't quit. She waits till the, the rain dies down. And she puts on some dry clothes, and she battles out, finishes the race at 12.18 a.m., so after midnight, finishes the race with her husband. And it just, it was a really cool, I saw a little video of her crossing the finish line. It was just super cool. I can only imagine what it's like to accomplish that feat of running a marathon, but then going through what she's done. But what's really cool, and I'll put a link to this in the show notes, so if anyone wants to donate themselves but her goal was to raise fifteen thousand dollars for the stana farber cancer cancer institute and as of wednesday night at six thirty, she had raised over forty one thousand so she has blasted her goal it's really cool and that's that's my best of the week that is cool that's cool that's a good best that's a good one so sorry i got a little long-winded but i just i when i read her story i thought it was super cool so dad you got a you got a worst of the week um, no, I don't think really a worst of the week, and I made both of these kind of personal, but it's just, uh, we talked about it briefly, but a uh, company that I've been working for for 26 years uh, got bought, and um, it's different. There's uh, there's good guys that, uh, uh, the company that bought us seems like a really good guys, but it's some dear friends of mine, you know, that own the company. I guess I've been fortunate to work for a company where I've known the owners. Yeah. You know, a lot of times you don't. And, uh, in fact, I've met the owners of the new company, and they seem really cool. So it's just a very surreal uh, time in, in my life going through this transition. Um, it all seems good. I'm very excited about it. But it uh, – so not worse, just, but just weird. A, it's That's a big change. Not necessarily a terrible change, just a big change. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, my worst 
is gonna be well one the the guys at the or the guys and girls at the IRS firm like what ha- did you see that where it got pushed back a day due to a glitch? I knew it got pushed back, but I didn't know why. Do you know? There's why? a glitch in the system. Is all I read. I just got the headline and I didn't click on it. I just like you prepare all year. This is the day they've set all year long, and then so I'm not the only one that can miss a deadline. That's what I see. These people with the government can't hit the deadline. You're right. I mean, they target it. They but, target this date like all year long. This is the date. <laughs> well, and so it normally it's right. It's on the 15th, right? Right. It, it was on the 15th because that landed on a Sunday. So then it would fall on the 16th. Well, mm. April 16th was the Monday that it fell on was Emancipation Day where they honor Abraham Lincoln for the okay. Emancipation Bro- Proclamation. Okay. So Tuesday was going to be the day it was done. And so they've done all this preparation to make it Tuesday. And then there's a glitch in the system and they can't do it Tuesday. So we're, we don't know what we're doing. So it's today. So you're saying it, it got bumped at the 18th? Yeah, to the 18th, to the Wednesday, the 18th. Today is the final. Oh. As we're recording this, you could have still uploaded your or submitted your okay. your stuff. I'm thinking you probably already got yours submitted, but if you didn't file but your taxes. No, I got mine done yesterday, and I was happy for the one extra day. I honestly didn't realize we had an extra extra day. <laughs> yes. I got it in so, yesterday, for real. That's it. <laughs> so that's, But that's not my worst. My worst is, and I don't know if you can quite relate to this as much, but being all millennials out there, I'm, I'm sure can. Being working at a part-time, I worked at a restaurant at the beginning of 2017. And I haven't worked there for a while. It's been, I mean, I don't, I can't, I don't know when my last day was, but it's been a while. So I haven't talked with them. I haven't seen them. And trying to get your W-2 from someone, from a little, like it's a small W-2. It's not that, it's not huge, especially I was working at a restaurant. So most of my stuff was cash tips. It's, I don't, this isn't super important to me or them, but I do need it at some right. point. Right. And my God, it was like pulling teeth to get that damn <laughs> W-2. My gosh. It, I get it. I've been on the other end where I was working somewhere else I, when I was working at the water park and some it's like, we'll have someone email us like, Hey, you got our W2 or they'll call us. And it's, it's not the first thing on the agenda is to get part-time ex-employee their W2. Yeah, right but away. it's like, it's a law, isn't it? You have to have them out by January the 20, 31st. Well, well, so, and I've moved, I moved and they sent them mm. supposedly. And then they said they sent them here, but they didn't. I think they just never sent it. I, it was just a whole pain, and I understand that the first, the number one thing on their agenda is not let's get Your Kevin W-2. his small little W two, but and I, it wasn't number one on my agenda either until finally I was like, it was April first, and I was like, damn, I need this, guys. Like what? And so I got a picture scanned of it sent to me, and we got it all taken care of. But just, I'm sure all the millennials that have had a little side job. And they've tried to get one. If you if if you're still working with them, it's easy as can be. But if you haven't worked with them forever, right. it, it can be a pain. some of the millennials I know wouldn't even notice if they didn't get a W two. They're like, <laughs> okay, you know. Well, they don't even, it helps me having mom. mom hit, they hope mom does their tax return. It and if they do, if she doesn't, it doesn't get done. I've seen that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that is enough tax talk for today. Because if you're listening to this and you haven't submitted your taxes. Then not only did you miss the extended deadline and then that deadline, you missed their screw-up and then that deadline. So you just royally screwed yourself. So let's get on to the episode. So, Dad, I, did you see, I, I wanted to 
preference. I think you watched the video, right? Of the I, I'm calling her the Puck Girl. Yeah, yeah, I did see that. So I just for anyone that hasn't seen, it was a it was a Washington Capitals game, and this this player, a Capitals player, they're warming up, and it's just like when you see basketball for those who aren't hockey fans. There's a bunch of pucks out there, and they're shooting, and they're passing around, just getting the feel for it, and. He picks up the puck and he's gonna go drop it over the wall because there's this girl that's just freaking out. This little cute blonde headed girl, cute. Like, probably what five yeah. years old, and she's freaking out because she sees him coming over and he's gonna drop the puck. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, Dad. Does the dad not catch the puck, or does the little boy I catch think, the puck? Over well, when I looked one? at it, I thought the little boy on our left caught the first one. Okay, so the little boy catches the yeah. first one. And, and so there you're like, well, I, I'm, if I was the seven-year-old older brother, I'm trying to get that puck too. Yeah. So you don't fault the little boy. Okay. So the guy, but the hockey player's like, well, let me go get this cute little girl puck now. <laughs> I've, I've, I've teased her. So he goes back, gets another puck, drops it over the wall. The dad catches no. it and hands it to his no, other are son. Are you sure? I, Am I wrong? You, the dad caught it and gave it to the son? Yes, the dad caught it and gave it to the other son. <laughs> And and so there I'm like my first reaction is like this piece of crap like give the little girl her Well, we need to go back and look. I thought that the other boy caught it. I really did. I thought I mean go ahead and finish. Do we may need to are you throwing the red challenge flag out here? Do we I may think need I'm throwing a it? challenge flag cuz we will review the ruling. I thought they were doing that. I thought the two boys caught it because the first boy that caught it was a little shorter boy and then it was the taller boy. And then, all right, finish your story. So, so then we we have maybe a discrepancy. So then he rolls the his eyes. Though, the hockey player's like, <laughs> yeah, the Damn. hockey player's like, are you kidding me? Give this girl the puck. I meant to give this girl the puck. And it's obvious girl, what he's trying to do. And if you do. see, she is heartbroken. The little, the poor girl is like crying the, almost. The look on her face is just pathetic. It's like, oh my God, bless your heart. What can I do for you? Well, it's <laughs> like she lost the first one and she's sad. And then she sees, oh my God, I got a second chance at this and loses it a second time. And then, so the, like you said, the hockey player is like, are you effing kidding me? And he goes back, gets another puck <laughs> and he goes to throw the puck over and it doesn't get over the eye, over the wall. Right. And so this right. little girl is her heart is just on her she's wearing it on her sleeve right here. And finally it gets over and she gets the puck and all well, is no, well. The Wait. dad catches the third puck and gives for it to her. sure. And gives it to her. Okay. Well so The dad catches it, the third puck for sure. Here was here's where at first and maybe the dad didn't catch the second one and hand it to his other son. I thought he did. We'll go back and check the tapes. But when I saw that, at first I thought, this POS dad, like, <laughs> give the little girl a puck. But then it hit me. I think, and, and you have the point of view being a father, I think he was actually outsmarting the system, and he realized the little girl's getting a puck no matter what. No so matter I'm gonna get what. Because <laughs> she's just too damn cute. She's getting this puck. So he made sure both, both boys got it because she's getting her third one. Because if she would have got the second one, the ice, That's the hockey it. player probably wouldn't have come back over for the third kid. Right. No, no doubt. So, I'm telling you, here's the deal. Those were all three his kids, and he played it so that they all three got a puck. Yeah, that's what. That's he did. what I think. He saw the hands. He was, he saw the hand he was dealt, and he just played it to perfection. Like that he dad. Did. At first, I thought that dad like deserves the shitty dad of the year award, and then I realized no, that dad is brilliant. Hey, he was dealt three of a kind, and he played it <laughs> perfect. <laughs> he definitely, definitely did. 
right. But check out that video. Yeah, but you're we'll, put it we'll on, post right? it in the show notes. Check it out if you haven't seen it. It, it blew cool. up on Twitter, but it's definitely worth a watch. It was so it's cool. It's cool. But, oh, side note, by the way, so the dad of the girl, the girl's name was Keelan Moxley yeah. at the Washington Capitals game. Uh-huh. Not only did the dad score with the three pucks, now the Washington Capitol owner, Ted Leonsis, has offered the girl and her family glass seats to Game 5 in Washington, D.C., and he plans to meet with them before the game. Oh, cool. So the the dad is straight scoring <laughs> nonstop. He can't do any better. <laughs> he, he has played this perfect. He got it. He, I mean, he, could, he couldn't have played it any better. He'd be pimping. <laughs> Puts it up. All right, and moving on to our next quick hitter, and that for those who didn't recognize, in honor of the NBA playoffs, that's a little Mike Breen bang there to uh, segue between topics. You'll hear quite a bit of that on all of the ESPN broadcast. But let's get to sticking with the NBA. Uh, Andre Ingram, Dad, you saw the story. Did you see the story? It's a little later now. It happened about a week ago, but. For the last two games of the Lakers' regular season, they called up a 10-year vet. He's been playing in the G League, D League, whatever you want to call it, but he's been playing in there for 10 years, and he's actually the all-time leader in uh, G League three-point field goal. So he's a good shooter, but he just never made it. Real quick, can you tell me why is the D League now the G League? I know I won't get back on the story, but what? Because uh, Gatorade bought it, and it's the Gatorade League. Is that it? That's the now. whole reason. That's the only. That's the only reason. Yeah. Okay. All right. So Ingram. It was like, the developmental league, and now it's just the G League because Gatorade sponsors it. But yes. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> so Ingram and, was like ten year. He's a ten year vet of the D. He's a ten year vet. Right. And the Lakers call him up. The final two games of the regular season, and the video, the, the one, the one video, is super cool. It's the Lakers knew what they were doing, and they call him in like a typical exit interview as G League season's over. And he's going to do it, and he thinks it's just your typical, you know, how'd the year go, what was your thoughts, what's your goals for next year, blah, 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 kind of waste of time. And it's them telling him, we're calling you up to come play in Staples Center on L.A. I mean, that, that super cool moment. And then not only does he get to put on the Lakers jersey and call up his wife and get her to come to the game, the dude goes off. He hits six of eight, scores 19, and makes four or five from threes. And he does what I would only dream I would do is just get in there jack up. Like we all say, if, oh, if I ever had the shot, I'd start firing away. <laughs> right. But I don't know if I actually would. I might would get cold feet. And, and Andre Ingram did not get cold feet. My man was chucking them up, and he was nailing them. It was awesome. What well, was your thoughts on well, that? Well, I mean, I saw that in something that I, you you mentioned to me earlier. I wanted to make sure we mentioned he's a he was a physics major in college, and he was right. a part time math tutor. I mean, this guy is making a living in a different way. I mean, he's but he's playing ball. He's a hooper, man. And uh, I mean, you see him; he looks older than thirty two. He's got a little bit of gray hair, you know. He does. I mean, he, he does. I saw he's fit. I mean, he's a ball player. You can tell, and uh, so. When they called him up, though, it looks like he knew something was up, but it was really cool where when they finally tell him and Magic comes over there and, and shakes his hand and all that. I mean, here's a here's a greatest of all time, and 
I mean, Ingram gets to go play and then shows out. I mean, and then shows out. And it was great. If you saw, he like shoots the three and he even does like a pose. Like he knows they're going in. I mean, he balled out. Well, he did not look. Were those poses or because he or he's got a weird looking shot? I mean, all his shots. He does were... have a little bit of a weird looking shot, but it's kind of like that shot's go. Like, I don't know. I felt like it was a pose. Like it's when you shoot it and you know it's going in. But it was funny looking a little. It bit. was a I little funny looking, but man, shout out to him. I mean, I he he played he played his ass off, and I mean, it just seemed like a good story, good guy. Well, and it kind of it reminded me of you, just because there's a side <laughs> note of him that says the guy says he's a math tutor, and they asked why he's a math tutor. They asked if he doesn't make enough money with what he does, and he goes, "I just love math. I'm <laughs> I, I I can't get enough math. I love it, so I just like to tutor it for fun." And I was like, "Only who in the world loves math that just wants to spend their off time doing math tutor?" And I thought, you know what? Pops would probably <laughs> Pops would do that if he could. I really do. I like math. That might be my next job is just to be a math tutor. <laughs> so you you and Andre Ingram should link up and just become like dual math tutors and he can he can teach you a little bit about man he seems like a cool guy andre holler at me man let's let's talk some math real quick i have i have a little stay woke moment so he you mentioned it a second ago he had there was quite a bit for 32 years old it seemed like there was quite a bit of gray in his hair i kind of feel like this might have been uh the lakers playing a little hollywood on us like, I wonder if this was, like, kind of planned up. They made his hair even grayer to make the story better. And they tried to play this. Then they filmed this whole thing. They made all this, like, into almost like a little mini documentary. Ah, just saying Magic might be alert, might be making some dollars out of this. Hey, you look saying. at most, he, most 32-year-old guys, their hair's not that gray. I mean, I don't know if my hair, well, that might be up for debate. I don't think my hair is quite that gray, but it could be. So, I know... He had some – it was hilarious. He had some uh, young journalists on Twitter really questioning things because they're like, wait a minute, we keep talking about how it's so cool how this old guy's balling in the NBA, but he's 32, he's, I'm 32, or I'm 35. Or right. I'm, you know, all these journalists are like, wait a second, he's not old. I mean, Let's quit this narrative of he's old. How old is Manu? Manu Ginobili's 4-0, I <laughs> Manu think. Manu Ginobili's 40. He's 40. He's 40 and bald and still balling. I mean, good God. <laughs> It doesn't, yeah, it's incredible. Puts it up. Bang from downtown. All right, so, Dad, you, you're you a Cowboys fan. Let's shift over. I want to shift to a little football here. And you're a Cowboys fan, as am I. And just recently, there was some, some news among Cowboys land where Des Bryant was released. Yeah. So, first, I'm just going to go. I just want to know your thoughts. What do you think? First thought was it's about time. Um, uh, I, I really liked Des Bryant for a long time. His athletic ability was second to none, probably still is. But in many ways, a cancer on the sideline in the locker room is probably strong, but he was a he was a, a bad infection. <laughs> you know, he just didn't – I don't know what the right term is, but, I mean, he, I'm, I'm glad he's gone. That's my – I'm glad he's gone. And, and you know what's going to happen? is he is going to go somewhere in freaking division and terrorize the living crap out of the Cowboys. I know he will because when he puts his mind to it, he's amazing. Well, tell me, so I know in my my heart of hearts, I know this is the right decision. Like the Cowboys mm -hmm. needed to get rid of him. They needed to cut him. It was just, he was going to get paid. 
He was going to get paid twelve and a half million and count worth sixteen and a half million against the cap. So a, a huge cap. It actually he was going to count as the most expensive receiver in the NFL this this next season. Yeah, there's no. He's no not even. He it. He's not top five right now. He's mm. not top ten. I mean, he might not be top twenty to be honest with you. I don't. He's probably he could top have a better 20, year, but yeah. And it's just so I know, and so the Cowboys now save eight and a half million, and they they just dra- they just uh, signed Alan Hearns, who, if Dez is what he was last year, Hearns is the the same if not better, for way cheaper. And now they'll probably spend. Uh, and I'll ask this with we have Ben Albright coming up just next, an NFL insider, draft cover guy, and I'll ask him if he knows anything about the Cowboys drafting. But I think they're probably going to go receiver in the, one of the first two rounds, and I just think it's. You kind of got to – it's just like what the Patriots done to be, be successful all these years. If you're not producing, you're not worth that, that high dollar, they'll get rid of you. you. You know, here's the reason I think you feel a little uh, – So, yeah, what, tell melancholy me why, why about it, hurts. it. Yeah. Because, because, because the Cowboys never got to him. I mean, it. I don't know. They needed a leader. Somebody needed to come grab him, take him under their arm, Maybe Michael Irvin was that guy, and maybe the the thing is Michael Irvin was not that guy. You know, he needed somebody with high integrity, maybe a Ray Lewis. You know, if he would have been on a team with Ray Lewis, maybe Ray Lewis would have set him straight. Uh, An Ed Reed. You know, I'm not trying to go Baltimore, but I'm just saying he needed a leader, a player leader, to go, this is how you play in the NFL. Athletic ability is not going to come keep carrying you if you don't do the work and put in the time. And – I, I think the reason you feel sad, like I do, is if we could have got – if somebody could have got to Des Bryant and made him to his full potential, he could have been as good a, a player as ever played the game. Well, so what gets me is I think where I really get torn is I remember watching when Romo was at his best and Des was at his best. I think they were a perfect marriage because – and that's why Dez doesn't work as well with Dak. Dez has never been a great route runner. He runs a He's slant, improvisational, and so a go is Tony and Romo. a jump ball. And that's mm-hmm. where, yeah, with Romo, he was great because they do their little improv, and Romo yeah. is the best when he gets out. He does his little spin move, and he's outside the pocket, and that's when Dez is at his best. And they, they, they worked in the offseason, and I think that's why I saw the potential because they got a connection where they worked in the offseason. I thought, wow, these guys are just special. They have that back shoulder to a T. And that's something Dak just doesn't have that. He's a very time-oriented passer. He likes to know exactly where his receiver will be, when that curl is going to happen, a sharp comeback, and that's just not Dez. And then you see that at 30 years old, Dez is now working on a route run, route running with a route guru over the offseason. Like, why, why at 30 are we Why at 29? I mean, what what do you mean? Why weren't you doing that five years ago? I understand coming come in the league two or three years and rely on your athletic ability and then go – Oh, you know, if I'd pay attention to route running ability, I could be even better. And he didn't get yeah. that till now. He kept, he kept, and I think he kept looking. I mean, I've, I follow him on like Twitter, and it seems like athletically he's a specimen. He'll post like workout videos and stuff, and he's insane. And I, that's never, and he was working out even after he signed his contract. He was still, I don't think there was any lack of him staying in shape and working out, but that was never his issue was athleticism. He had that from day one. His issue was the small little bitty things, and that's where I think you're right. The Cowboys, and it's funny, I just thought about this as you were saying it, the guy that that would be would be Jason Witten, and he's just not, I don't think he's the big vocal 
take you under my shoulder leader, take you under my arm leader. He's just not. He just kind of – he. By, I, that's no diss to him. He's just – he'll come in, he gets his work done, he's done it for, shit, what, 20 years now it seems like. So, I mean, he's had a heck of a career, but he's just – he gets Jason Witten's work done. He doesn't go make sure – CQ Elliott's getting his stuff done, or Dez is getting his stuff done. I think sometimes these young guys need a veteran to go, hey, look, hold them accountable and say, look, we're all going out there, and my livelihood relies on how good you play. And the you know, Cowboys that's why never and had I, I don't that. know. I'm going to say this, but that's why it's funny I, I thought of Ed Reed or Ray Lewis because I think he needed someone with the same skin tone as him, as athletic as him, but had the, the stronger desire. And I'm just telling you, that player was not on Dallas's team during during Des Bryant's well, tenure. Well, I don't think Des Bryant ever lacked the desire. I think, and I've heard people talk about, like former players talk about Des Bryant in the locker room. And no, I don't think anybody has ever. That's why some people think of his sideline antics. It really was just he wanted to win so bad, and when he wasn't helping the team win, I think he really. It wasn't even about his stats. It was I want to. I know I'm good enough to help this team win. Why am I not? And that's where I think someone needs to go, look, you don't need to go get your vertical higher or your 40 faster. You need to work on the little bitty things that aren't as – don't show up in the stat sheet, but just the little – like make that slant really sharp. Make that curl really sharp. And it won't – it doesn't look like much, but if he can create that separation on a curl, his yards after – what he does with the ball after the catch is second to none. But he doesn't think about that kind of thing. He thinks about, I can jump over this guy and catch it over him. You you, hear, you said the key thing. He didn't think about it. I'm not saying – I want to be clear. He had the desire. I think he potentially had the desire. He didn't know. I don't think anybody showed him the road. If someone would have been there he respected and showed him the road, he could have been as good as as anybody that's played that position. That's, and it kind of anyway, goes back to it kind of goes back to Jason Garrett and what he, it's like what what does Bill Simmons call him the glorified hand clapper? I mean, yeah, Jason Garrett's not yeah, the clapper. He's just he he's not a bad coach, but he's not He's not a good need, coach either. <laughs> yeah, he's just like he is what he is. We, he is who we thought he was. I mean, he just <laughs> Yes. He is, he is. And that's exactly. what's so frustrating as a Cowboy fan. It's cuz you're like, we know what we got with Jason Garrett. We got Eight and eight most years, maybe a twelve and four, but we'll probably lose in the play, in the divisional round. We just, I know okay. what it is. And I want to say this: Jerry Jones, I, he he's a guy that will do whatever Jerry Jones wants, and I have a lot of respect for Jerry Jones. He runs his football team. He does want to win. I think he kicks himself. He trips over his own, you know what? Sometimes, but I think Stephen Jones, as he takes more control of the team, I think he makes good decisions that are in the best interest of the team. I think you'll see the Cowboys be more successful as Stephen Jones gets more responsibility and authority. That it, no, no front yeah. to Jerry Jones. I mean, he's done a great thing, yeah, but I think I you'll agree. see the Cowboys be more successful in the future. Well, you see, I mean, you see with the Patriots when they really took off is when Robert Kraft took his hand off the team and let Belichick do everything. That's just. Look at any team in the NFL, NBA, really any of them. The owner's got to start being the owner and let the GM and coach be the GM and coach. There's a difference. You, you don't have to do both. Yep. But right. with that being said, I'm excited to see what the Cowboys do in the draft. And let's go ahead and get over to the uh, interview with Ben Albright. So now we have Ben Albright joining us, a – 
what, what would you say? Would you, would you call yourself you're, you, you're based out of Denver, but you kind of follow the NFL and the draft in particular or just the NFL in general? I, I would say both NFL and the draft. I kind of got started with the draft stuff, to be honest. So it's kind of it's kind of funny the way I've I don't know how I it was odd the way I happened upon your Twitter. I, you you were tweeting something. I think you were tweeting something about the Broncos at one point, and my brother who joins me on this podcast, he is a huge Bronco fanatic. And so when I saw you tweeting about it, I kind of perused through your tweets and thought, oh, well, it seems like he's a little little ahead of the the curve on a few of these these reports that have been coming out. So I went in and hit the follow button. And since, man, it seems like it seems like you'll come out with the report and then I'll see it see it a couple weeks later. And to no credit, and even old, old Cowherd tried to throw some shades your way a while back ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. He tried to, he tried to be the, you know, whatever, I guess he does that or whatever. He got hurt that, um, you know, he wasn't the guy who got the break of story. It happens from time to time. Although I'll say most of the, you know, most of the major guys at this point, um, you know, I've kind of interacted with, they follow me and, you know, we chat behind the scenes and direct messages and stuff like that. Um, Coward, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think he's. For, I don't think he's going to be reaching out anytime soon. But <laughs> probably not. <laughs> so, uh, kind of a, a quick aside is what's how do you how do you decipher through because it is line season right now. I saw the Browns GM John Dorsey said all all today all in one day the Browns could take two quarterbacks with their top picks. The Browns could take no quarterbacks with their top picks. The Browns could trade the number one overall pick. And no one will know but John Dorsey and his team what they're doing. So, clearly, it's lying season, isn't it? Isn't half the stuff you're hearing BS and then truth? How do you decide what, what you're hearing is the truth? Well, that's the thing. Um, what I do, I guess, is a little bit different than... Um, you know, the way that maybe Ian Rappaport or Adam Schefter or Jake Glazer does it. Um, you know, I, I'm not really, I mean, I guess I am kind of a reporter, but really I'm more of an information broker. Um, so what I do is I, I have like a repository of information and I kind of trade that uh, back and forth between different people. And I've built up a network over the years uh, with different teams and, and agencies and things like that. And, you know, they have a question, they come to me and they know that, um, you know, if they want an answer to that question, if I have one, they know they got to give me something to get it. And they know the rules. They know they give me bad information. They won't ever get information from me again. So, um, you know, and I've, I've had to pull that once or twice. So, um, so it's kind of know, a trading it, of, of information. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes people volunteer stuff to me, you know, and, they, and then they, they know that I'll get them back later, that kind of thing. But really it's, you know, it's really just kind of a trading thing. You know, guys, they, they've, they've come to recognize that, you know, that I'll, I'll know some things or I have a pipeline to, to things. And the, the way that I built this, um, when you're doing something like that is just to have a little information in the beginning you're able to trade but information has a shelf life and it's finite you know and so uh <laughs> that's why i did the trading thing and you got to give me something is because from a little information i can trade that one piece of information to 32 different teams or 31 other teams as it were right um you know and get 31 pieces of information back uh, so it's become a, a system that's kind of multiplied itself and perpetuated itself and and uh you know i mean i i, I could sit here and say that you know that was the play it all along and all this that and the other but it really wasn't i just kind of stumbled into this and it's just been really cool since i stumbled into it well that's kind of what i was gonna i was wondering is this something you set out to i'm gonna try to 
to really get the the channels of the back workings of what's going on in the NFL, or if it's just kind of something you fall into and then you happen to figure out, oh, I'm not I'm not bad at this whole information. <laughs> well, uh, falling into it might even be too generous a word. <laughs> I stumbled backwards and it, it happened to catch me. Uh, <laughs> it's probably a better way to put it. I did not set out to uh, to do this. My background, uh, um, you know, in college, I was I was headed for law school. Um, you know, I, my background is actually my, my business acumen is in, uh, is in the IT world. And, uh, of course I have a military background as well. So, um, I guess, um, you know, I did not, I didn't set out for this. Um, it's not something that, uh, that was intended to be this way, but it kind of became that way. And, you know, I've kind of rolled with it. So a lot of your job comes with, you're on Twitter a lot and you'll, you'll, you seem to be pretty good about uh, I'm going to say entertaining your followers. Cause at times it seems like you'll get somebody tweet at you and be like, Ben, I'm here. And, and they'll just throw out this ridiculous thing that I don't like, I don't get where they get it from. And sometimes you'll call them out on like, how often is it? If you go through your mentions, is it like 80% just people throwing out random? I'm hearing this, this right here. And you have to just tell them it's bs or what um i would not say that i would say that most of the things in my mentions are people asking for information rather than volunteering it um you know and things like that and always it's kind of a pet peeve of mine when people say they're quote hearing because the reality is most of those people are not hearing they are reading it somewhere probably twitter Correct. um and uh you know the, <laughs> the information that they're they're getting uh, so saying i'm hearing something makes it sound like that someone is in the know when the reality that vernacular uh, that little uh, should be that they saw something somewhere and they want to confirm it and so i know it's a it's a weird nuancey pet peeve of mine but it's one of those things that irritates the ever-living hell out of me for some reason um because when somebody says they're hearing something i expect them to have heard it firsthand you know what i mean when i say i'm hearing something i heard it firsthand from somebody you know um, so that's one of those, that's one of those things that bugs me, but no, I, I, you know, most of my Twitter mentions are people asking me for things, asking for information. Sometimes they're seeking affirmation or confirmation or for me to debunk something. Um, but the bulk of it is, you know, people asking and over asking the same <laughs> questions over and over again. Um, and I shouldn't, sometimes I shouldn't you get... know, I just refer back three tweets ago and you'll have your answer. Right. Right. I'm like one of those people. I, I try not to because I built the account on interaction. I built the whole thing I did on interaction, answering questions. But the problem is, is that it's gotten now we're, we're somewhere like 50, uh, 56,000 followers or something like that. And I, I can't keep up with all this, all dimensions anymore. And it's, um, that's a little bit sad to me, um, because I really enjoyed being able to do that, but now it's, it's overwhelming. It's too much. I'm just not able to answer these questions anymore. Well, so, and I'll go kind of back on what you said. I don't, I'm not, I don't have any kind of ear to the ground as they say, I'll, everything I'm hearing, I'm reading through tweets of yours or, Shefters or I'm reading an article and then I try to piece that together with with what I what what I can see from like the Browns are wanting to take this person when I look at their roster and does that even make sense so to to get to the draft a little bit are the Browns is there any way the Browns at first it seemed like the Browns were kind of leaning Josh Allen but now it, they're they're leaning Darnold right everything I've heard dating back to the senior poll is that they had an eye on Sam Darnold um and that was kind of the primary target. Um, 
Josh Allen was kind of a plan B and in a culture or a, an information obsessed era that we are now, uh, plan B can lead to new clicks once plan A has kind of played itself out in the news cycle. So uh, while I will say that Josh Allen is in play for the Browns, I would say that uh, everything I've heard is that that is much less likely than was ever intimated. Um, and I would suggest that even Baker Mayfield has a shot at number one. Um, although, you know, I, I, again, everything I've heard is that it's Sam Darnold. Well, and I want to get to Baker in a second because he's just the most polarizing player probably in this in the top of this draft. But I'm just curious. To me, Darnold looks like the the best quarterback, but I'm no GM. But what what is Josh Allen? I just nothing I see from yeah, he's got a cannon, but how often in the NFL, especially in today's game, are you throwing the ball sixty yards? It's a quick intermediate passing game. I don't get what is the deal with Josh Allen. Why is it just the raw potential of him? Well, I think part of it is, um, you know, a lot of the guys who are in decision-making roles for teams are older now, um, you know? So they came up old-school scouts, and they have old-school inherent biases towards scouting. Uh, And the old-school method of doing it was find the big body body with the big arm and coach the rest of it up, you know? Um, Seven-step drops and throwing the ball 40 yards downfield off of, uh, you know, off of play action out of the eye was what they came up on. So they still look for the archetypes that fit that. And I don't think that a six-foot-five quarterback with a rocket arm is really – as you alluded to, um, what you're looking for in the modern game, 85% of the modern football is played between five and 15 vertical yards from the line of scrimmage. Uh, so <laughs> the, uh, what you really need is a quarterback with quick feet that can manipulate the pocket uh, and a guy with an arm who is accurate and anticipatory to be able to get the ball out and onto those uh, onto those receivers or players uh, as quickly as possible. Uh, you need a cerebral guy who, who processes quickly, who's accurate, has anticipation. Um, and there's kind of a baseline of a about 55 miles an hour in terms of uh, uh, what you need for arm strength if the radar uh, gun combine data is to be believed. Anything below that tends to flame out in the NFL. Uh, there have been a few exceptions, but it's, it's really rare. Um, so uh, as long as you have baseline arm strength, that's really you know all you need. And so I think that people get caught up in um, – well, he's got all these things I can't coach. I can coach up the rest. You know, I can coach up the deficiencies. But the reality is, is that you really don't ever coach up accuracy or anticipation. They just don't get better in the pro game, not by much. Uh, you can find exceptions to that happening here or there, but you know, the reality is, is it, it just doesn't. So you get guys that came up. You know, and saw Elway and Marino come into the league, and they're like, "Well, you know, John Elway only had a 59-60 completion percentage for his his career. You know, when he came out, there, uh, that was you know whatever. So, uh, so Allen can do the same thing. Well, it is. It's a different era. When John Elway came out, um, there were six quarterbacks in the entire NFL who had sixty percent completion percentage passing. Um, so, you know, and, and so now three of those were like 60.1. Then you're not even a starting level quarterback almost anymore. Right. Yeah. 60% is replacement level. We had, we had almost half a dozen guys throw for 70%. Right. Uh, so it's, you know, so it's, it, the game is different. The game has evolved and those metrics that old schoolers used to use and still kind of have inherently ingrained in them are not correct anymore. And so I think that's part of what you see. I think you see an old school philosophy still being applied to a, a newer game in some regards well and yeah that's the thing with with josh allen and then i'll move on but i just i, I knew his actually the best this past year at wyoming but then i read uh evan silva pointed out on twitter that and when he was at juco before wyoming 
he ranked 57th out of 58 quarterbacks in JUCO and had 16 touchdowns in 11 games. I mean, just at 49% completion percentage. That just – I just don't see that. That just blows my mind that that's who, that's who you might would take one or two. But So let's go over to – well, the new news coming out today that you kind of alluded to, what, three weeks ago is Rosen is now dropping. Is that right? It seems like. Yeah, I've been trying to, you know, I've been trying to kind of hint at it, people, for a while. Um, you know, Josh Rosen is not as highly thought of uh, in, in in league circles. There are some teams that do, but in league circles, as he is in the online community, and I think part of that is the online community supports maybe some of the um, political or rebellious, quote unquote, stances that that Rosen has. Where uh, the people offline or you know old school um, football guys may not, you know, wearing a uh, an F Donald Trump hat to Donald Trump's golf course seems funny to um, you know a younger person, where it may not be to an older person. You know what I mean? Right. And so I, I think that there are people that kind of root for that. They see some of themselves in someone who does that, and they root for that, and that allows them to color their, um, you know, their evaluation of a guy or where they think a guy should go. Uh, I look at, at Josh Rosen. He had pretty good tape. Um, he got one of my highest film grades, but uh, someone pointed out to me from the league that, you know, he really doesn't have a lot of room to grow as a passer. Uh, and, and there's truth to that, you know? What are you going to coach up about him? If he's already the most polished passer, then what area or aspect of his game is, is, is going to transcend where it already is in the league? So I, I think, you know, the thing that bothers me is you shouldn't punish a guy for being more ready to be in the NFL. But at the same time, uh, he, he appears to be one of these guys who is a high floor, low ceiling guy, similar to maybe an Andy Dalton or a Mark Sanchez. Huh, well, that's interesting that you, I haven't thought about it that way, but I've, I have when I watch him. Although there's some, he makes some questionable decisions. When he makes some throws that, some of those throws where he's already anticipating making the back shoulder throws, where it really blows me away in college. But as he already peaked, I haven't thought about is is he building from where he's at right now? Because right now, I I like his arm, the best out of the quarterbacks out there. If I had to take one of those four quarterbacks to start an opening day game for me right now, it would be Josh Rosen. If I had to take one of those quarterbacks to be uh, my five-year guy, it wouldn't be. So then would that mean – is your five-year guy? Because I've seen him creeping up and you've mentioned him around one. And I, I might have some conflicting thoughts on, on Baker Mayfield. What, what, what's Baker Mayfield that people are falling in love with here recently? What's he do that people like? He's a quick decision maker. He processes things so quickly. Um, you know, he's accurate uh, and, and on time in the five to fifteen game. Um, he does have above average arm strength. Uh, I think the problems people have with Baker Mayfield are, you know, the superficial stuff. Yeah. Um, well, he played an arid. Well, so did Pat Mahomes, uh, and, and Pat Mahomes looks like he's going to be special. Um, so did Jared Goff, to be honest with you. Um, you know, he, he played in a different variant of the air raid, but he played in an air raid nonetheless. A cow, uh, the air raid guys. This isn't a Graham Harrell situation. This isn't the air raid from, you know, from ten years ago. This isn't Colt uh, Brennan. It, right, right. The the, yeah, the the run and shoot. The the NFL is starting to adapt. They're starting to take some of those concepts and bring them in. And so these guys are getting more of that. You know, seventy eight percent of the NFL was played in the shotgun last year. Um, you know, most of the NFL have played with three wide sets. Nickel is a base defense now. 
Um, so, you know, these these concepts that these guys are brought up in college are actually translating now. And so uh, I think that the the knocks that they have or, you know, some people talk about the immaturity, but, you know, the reality is the dude's just competitive is what it is. He's competitive. Um, I, he does have the run red flag, which is the uh, the, the drunk incident in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Uh, but otherwise, you know, I mean, he's he's just a competitive guy. Uh, and, and I get that because I'm a competitive guy. Um, so I can empathize with that. He's also, you know, six one, um, just a shade under six one. He's the exact same height as Case Keenum. And okay. so people have a bias against short quarterbacks. But the reality is, in the modern NFL, uh, there's something to be said for a shorter quarterback uh, hitting between a certain height because the taller quarterbacks need a wider base to plant in that pocket. Shorter quarterbacks can typically have a, a narrower base, still generate power, and manipulate the pocket with their feet quickly. Uh, so the idea that you know a tall passer is the way to go is just not borne out by the data over the last couple of years. Yeah, and – I agree with you 100% on, I know that the Fayetteville incident is a little bit of a red flag, but that can, I think that can be chalked up to a kid made a mistake. Yeah. I mean, he hasn't really had off the field issues that I know of other than that, but the other stuff, yeah, it's just a guy who is fiery and wants to win. And yeah, he went too far, you know, shouldn't have grabbed his nuts in in the game, but, (laughs) but at, at the, at the end of the day, it's just a guy who really wants to win. And it seems like players rally around him. But, yes, very much so. I've never seen. Let me just to dovetail yeah, off ahead, that. First, I saw it down in Mobile at the Senior Bowl. I've never seen people grab gravitate to a guy the way they did to him right away. They just do. He's just a a natural leader. Uh, and I know that you know that, that might seem overwrought to people, but uh, there's something to be said for that. And he definitely has that. Well, and so you mentioned this part of Baker's game fits right in the line with what you said about. You want someone with the the quick feet and the the ability to maneuver the pocket. I mean, I think he does a great job with that. And then his his intermediate, that ten to fifteen yard, five to fifteen, he's great at that that level and quick decisions. But part of me, so I went back. I don't like the take of, you know, uh, no Big Twelve quarterback's going to be good in the NFL because I think that's that's just you're being ignorant if that's going to be why you don't think Baker Mayfield will be good. But with that said, I went back, so I, I don't really credit a lot of those defenses for being great, but, hey, he, he did what he did against them. But I went back mm-hmm. and rewatched the all of his offensive snaps against the Georgia game because I thought, okay, here's him against a good defense. And really, I wasn't as impressed as I remember being when I, when I watched the game in person because I just saw them put up all those yards. Baker Mayfield actually kind of disappointed me in that game. Well, they leaned on the run game a lot because they yeah. felt like they could get more out of it. And then the play calling in the second half on that game was just bizarre. Um, they quit going between the hashes, and Georgia figured that out pretty quick. Uh, and that's what allowed them to come back. And you'll saw some plays late in the fourth quarter of that game where uh, they just refused to throw the ball to what would otherwise be open spots in the field. Uh, instead, trying to make Baker make short plays near the sideline and stuff like that. It was just a bizarre set of play calling that I didn't really understand. Um, and I haven't had a chance. I, I wanted to. I had a an interview scheduled and then it, it was canceled um you know to talk to lincoln riley about that and uh, i never got the chance to so that's one of those things that i really want to follow up with at some point if you get a chance though um, the other top defenses that, that baker played against of course were ohio state uh tcu was a top t- top 15 right. defense in the country last year he played them twice and hung 31 points on them at the half each game <laughs> Um, so it's, you know, uh, to say, and, and some of that is the offensive system. Some of that is having great players, uh, but some of that is Baker Mayfield. And so you have to just try to evaluate each throw as best you can and go from there. And I, I see a kid, I think is special, just like I saw uh, out of another big 12 quarterback last year in Pat Mahomes. 
Well, and that that's what I kind of went into it when I rewatched the tape on that game. I went into it because I when the season ended, I remember thinking, "Wow, I love Baker Mayfield. I I don't understand why he's not being talked about at first. And as time goes on, I just tried to talk to myself, "Well, why? What is the reasoning?" And when I watched that. There was only one throw he did make in the uh, in the fourth quarter around like the ten minute mark. He made a beautiful down the down the left side of the field, a back shoulder where the guy was covered, and he just threw him open. And that's the kind of throw where if you're a scout, I think you see it and go, if I can get him to do that multiple times, plus what he does throughout the game all the time, then I can really build a pro- build a, a team around him. So I get I get the reasoning for putting him up. I think his ceiling, and I just like a guy. Like we mentioned before, uh, the guy that people rally around, I think is there's just something natural that people have. And he seems to have it. Yeah, I, I think he does too. I think, uh, you know, I, I think he hit the nail on the head there. Um, you know, Mike Shanahan used to have this deal where he'd, he'd say, put the, uh, put the prospects 20 best throws on, on tape. Uh, and they would, they bring it in, look at the 20 best throws. He'd pop the tape out. He'd toss it to his quarterback coach and say, okay, we're going to draft him to make him do this every play. Yeah, it's kind of like, let me see what he does good. And if he does good things really well, then we can make that happen. So I want to go one last little bit on a quarterback and also a team, but and then kind of some uh, position players. But Lamar Jackson, is he a first-rounder to you? Is there any way he creeps up higher? I mean, what what are you – hearing from him i get a lot of people you know like the dynamic athlete and all that kind of stuff um for me personally i would not give him what i would call a first round grade um i think he's more of a two-year project day two type i don't think you need the fifth year option on a guy like that but if you want to secure it you know that's certainly your prerogative um you know the way i view him is uh you know he's the chargers are very interested in him um you know he's he's a guy that's probably going to go in the second half of the first round um uh, but i you know that's not a guarantee Okay, well, and then real quick, because my brother would my brother would kill me if I didn't ask you what what do you see the are the Broncos they're going to go Keenum for a year there there's no way they're going to take a quarterback and not play Keenum but would are they thinking quarterback first round or do you think they're kind of moving away from that? I don't think they're going to go quarterback at all in the early rounds. I think they uh, they're pretty happy with Case. Um, I think that they they understand that they're financially obligated to Paxton Lynch for another year. So they figure if we're going to go Case and we got we're obligated to Paxton, why not give Paxton one more shot to see what he's got? Uh, and you know if it all doesn't work out and blows up in our face, we're going to be picking early next year. We can draft a quarterback then. So they haven't. That's what me and him have been talking about. Is he doesn't think they've given up on Paxton Lynch or that they should have yet. Because, like you said, they've already invested it. You might as well see what he's got. So you think they are going to go into another year where they see what Paxton Lynch has before they move on? I, I do. Based on everything I've heard and everybody I've talked to, Case is going to be the guy. They're going to give Paxton you know, one more chance to kind of prove that maybe he can become the guy uh, and see where he's at and evaluate that accordingly. And, and Chad Kelly is not really in their plans at all. So that's not something anybody should worry about. So to get on some some non-position player or non-quarterbacks at the the I feel like that to me I don't see the Giants going quarterback unless somehow the Browns don't go Darnold then I think they would be they would go Darnold at two, but if they didn't go quarterback then I feel like you're probably looking at Barkley or maybe Quentin Nelson but it's just hard to take a guard at two it seems just from popular opinion what. Do you, what do you think – how early could Saquon Barkley go in your eyes? Or how early should he go? Because I feel like he's a little overrated, and you've mentioned that before. 
I feel like he's very overrated. Um, any running back that couldn't get to 100 yards rushing in 61% of his college football games is not what I would call a generational changing talent. Uh, you watch the tape, he lacks uh, you know, elite vision. Um, he just kind of runs fast and hopes there's a hole there. Uh, he doesn't really run with power for his size. 230-pound running back, but it runs like somebody who's closer to 200. Um, so it's, you know, there's, there's things about him that I just you know, I don't really care for. Plus, running backs are the lowest impact position player on the field in the NFL today. Day that is not named punter and kicker. Uh, doesn't matter if you draft a star running back; it just doesn't affect things. Uh, and I know people can say or point to, uh, you know, the Jaguars taking Fournette, and all of a sudden they went to the playoffs. Well, the Jaguars were seven and six with Fournette in the lineup and three and zero without him last year. Um, you know, you can talk about Ezekiel Elliott, but Darren McFadden was the number two rusher in the NFL the year before right, uh, Ezekiel Elliott got line. there. <laughs> right, and McFadden had the added uh, hindrance of having Brandon Whedon, Matt Castle, and Kellen Moore as his quarterbacks where Zeke had Dak Prescott. Um, You you could talk about Todd Gurley, and Todd Gurley really wasn't anything until the the Rams improved their offensive line last year, and then all of a sudden he took off. So the idea of drafting a running back that early to me is something that's laughably absurd, Um, especially because if you're drafting a guy like that, you want that fifth-year option, right? Well, a fifth-year option on Saquon Barkley is going to cost you about $20 million, um, which is an absurdly high number. Well, Um, so – and. I just don't get so I I think Barkley's good. I think he could maybe go a first round pick, but it just to draft him at four or three or wherever you're going in the in that top area of the draft, when there's guys you can get I mean, we just saw it with Alvin Kamara. I think you get the right guy in the right right system. I don't think it mattered. There's just like you're saying, there's the gap between the best running back and the fifth running back, I don't think is that crazy. It's not like the bet the top quarterback and the fifth quarterback. There's a big difference. Right. And that's the thing. I wouldn't take Barkley that early. Uh, and everything I've heard is that the Giants are really the only team that would. Um, if they don't, then Tampa would be his next landing spot. I just I feel I feel the Giants would be they they're going to to me. I think they're shopping that pick. This is all just from what I think they would do and what I've read from other people. And I I just I see them I just see the Giants as a team who doesn't think they're that far away from being competitive. I think they kind of think if Brandon Marshall is who the guy they thought he was and Beckham doesn't get hurt and Eli Manning has some time behind the offensive line, they they could maybe have a team because that defense still has a lot of money put into it. Yeah, I would suggest that that'd be accurate. They, they really the realistic options for um, uh, for the Giants are Chubb. Uh, Barkley or a trade back and you know I think those are all three still currently in play okay the last two guys I want to get to are are defensive guys I I was going to maybe get into Quentin Nelson but there's really not much else to say than he's just by far the best offensive guard in this and he's his tape is the most impressed I've been on offensive line just to watch him absolutely bully people is is fun to watch but I wanted to ask you about how how good is Chubb at least how people how good do people expect Chubb to be and is he up there with some of the top guys we've seen taken before I mean I've heard I've heard some comparisons and what I just think the Browns getting him to put alongside Miles Garrett would be fascinating 
Well, yeah, and they and to be honest with you, a lot of people have rated Chubb better than Miles Garrett from last year. Um, I, I think that you know you can't have too many pass rushers. So putting Chubb across from Miles Garrett and then having Emmanuel Ogba in that rotation as well, uh, I think sets you up very well. Uh, going forward. I think that's the smart move. The Browns would really like to get Darnold at one and then have Chubb be there at four. I think that'd be a dream scenario for them. Uh, the only question is whether or not the uh, the Giants take Chubb or they take Barkley or trade back, and, and, and that leaves that to them. So they could potentially have that because the Jets are going to take Baker. Um, they're either going to take Darnold or Baker, and Darnold's not probably going to be there. So uh, it's, you know, it, it leaves Chubb at four to fall right in their lap. Yeah, and that's uh, something my my brother did. Uh, di- he was all on. Uh, he looked at different stats, and he he's come to the conclusion on this theory that cornerbacks are overrated in the NFL. And he said it's all. Which this second part's not not a bold take at all. He just says it's all about pass rush. A good pass rush can make an, a mediocre corner look great. Yeah, he absolutely. Just, he was just looking at how much the best quarterback has to throw compared to the fifth best, and it's. The difference is how much time they get, not necessarily the cornerback. It's all about that DN. So that's why I just think Chubb and Miles Garrett, if you're the Browns, and it seems like I I think the Browns are starting to make smarter moves, and I I think they'll get this right this year, but a Darnold Chubb would be a hell of a draft for them to me. Yeah, that that would be their their dream scenario. So last one, and then I'll, I'll, I'll let you get out of here, but why my favorite player in this draft I think, or at least the player I think is the most underappreciated. Now, recently, I've seen he's more solidified in the top ten. But Roquan Smith, what? Why is he not getting the the pub that I just every time I've watched him when I turned on Georgia game, he was all over the field. I just don't understand why he's not up there in the top five or four. Well. I agree with you. He should be, and he kind of is. He'll be a top 10 pick. I'll tell you that now. Um, you know, that may be media failing to catch up to the league on that uh, in the media overvaluing quarterbacks and pass rushers and, and, and things like that and not valuing that sideline to sideline tackler that a Roquan Smith could be. I, I think he's, you know, the next coming of Derek Johnson. Uh, you remember the Kansas City linebacker. Um, right. So I, I think – yeah, I, I think he's a phenomenal linebacker. I think he'll have a long career in the league, and uh, uh, he will absolutely be taking the first nine picks. Well, and that's what I, I was at one point. I was wondering if he would. I was wondering how late he would slip because I just didn't see anyone talking about him. And it just he seems like the ideal player on defense right now, where he plays the middle linebacker, like you said, he can go sideline to sideline. He matches up fairly well with running backs out of the backfield. I just don't. I don't really see a downfall. And someone uh, I compared him to. I went and looked up to see how close he was. And him and Patrick Willis, interestingly, are like height and weight. Uh, Smith is six one two thirty six. Willis is six one two forty. They both ran the four uh, four five one and the forty, and their arm length is only different by three four seven inch. So they're like very close. Yeah, close physical archetypes. Um, I think Willis was more instinctive and a better hitter, um, but Probably, I think Roke yeah, can I'll get there. I think Roke, I think you know, I think Roke can get there. Um, but uh, you know, I, and and Willis to me, a guy I saw single handedly um, keep Ole Miss in football games. Uh, Willis, uh, he had I want to say it was nineteen first half solo tackles, uh, chasing Darren McFadden sideline to sideline. Basically, the Arkansas game plan was to tire him out by running him sideline to sideline like that. And then the second half, he was so gassed. They ended up, you know, beating the brakes off of him. But they, the whole plan was just basically run Patrick Willis to each sideline until he gets so tired he can't run anymore. And uh, it was just a funny game to watch. I will give you – I'll lend some credit to that because I was going to also, when I looked up those, I looked up their college stats to see how similar they were. 
And mm. they had the same amount of tackles, but Willis played four less games than Roquan Smith did. So right. I was like, oh, wow. that Willis was – because mm-hmm. I didn't really watch him as much in college, but he was my favorite player while he was at the 49ers for, the, for yeah. a long time. So uh, how early could Derwin James go? Could he get into the top ten, you think? I don't think he will. Um, I think he's going to be a, a teens to maybe early 20s guy. Um could see him early teens maybe, but I, I don't think he's going to get that high uh, when all said and done. The NFL is devaluing safeties. Um, you know, if you'll notice a lot of the safety, the free agent safeties thought they were going to get a lot of money, and then they're trying to sign, uh, you know, veteran men deals now. The, get on a roster. Right. Now. Right. So the NFL's really devalued the safety position over the last couple of years. So it'd be interesting to see if those guys slide in the draft. Which it's, it really it, it breaks my heart to see that because that's what really got me into I remember when I first started really getting into Madden, it was it was the Sean Taylor, Ed Reed era. And man, I, I when I started playing with those safeties, I started watching <laughs> safeties. It was like my favorite thing was just watching good safety. And Sean Taylor specifically was my favorite well, ironically enough. I've ever watched. Ironically enough, the safety position is what got me into football. Uh, really? I was watching Steve Atwater. Steve Atwater hit Christian Okoye, and that was really uh, the moment for me that football became a thing. So, really, that's and now we're devaluing safety. It's it's funny how the r- real quick Cowboys. That's my team. Uh, what do you think? Are they probably going receiver since they cut Des? You think or uh, you can look at receivers. Um, they, they they will certainly take a look at it. Both Calvin Ridley and Cortland Sutton will take a look at. Um, I would suspect that they're probably going to go defensive back, uh, yeah, but you know uh, that receiver position. Keep an eye on it as well. I, I think they'll wait on the receiver. To be honest with you, everything I know about about Jerry and uh, and talking to uh, uh, my buddy Mike Fisher down there in Dallas, I I, I think uh, I think defensive defensive back is the way to look. All right. Well, uh, you can follow Ben on Twitter at Albright NFL. It's, I mean, I'm telling you, it's a good follow. You'll get, you'll get some, some good, some good news probably before the, the big, the big news outlets get to it. But also you do, uh, you only do one mock draft, correct? That is correct. The and day before the draft. The day before the draft. That'll be on your Twitter. I will post a link to it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Was well, there anything, what else are you doing? Is there anything you, you want to plug here, Ben? Uh, you know, obviously we got the radio show and I put out links for that every once in a while. And then we've got the TV show and we'll be doing more with that this fall. So, um, you know, you just pay attention to Twitter and you'll get access to all of it. You do the show. Are you still doing the show on Facebook? Yeah, we're actually bringing that to mainstream TV this oh, okay. fall. Cool. So. Well, all right. Well, Ben, I really appreciate you coming on and, uh, man, I hope you, I hope you don't get too busy during all this draft coverage. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. You have a good one. All right, man. All right, and now we're back. So, Dad, I wanted to ask you. I'm, I have a an issue I'm dealing with, and it's. Uh, I thought maybe your your experience on this earth might help <laughs> might help me here. So, oh Lord. <laughs> so there is. Um, I've noticed that at 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 work there will be a little bit of urine on the seat okay Okay. in the men's restroom so one i'm like at first i was just like oh gosh someone forgot to pull the toilet seat up like come on just and if you if you do forget wipe it off whatever so it happens one time like whatever then i see it again i'm like come on man who's this slob that i'm working with so now 
And it could be, you know, sometimes you get a little splashback, and sometimes it's not necessarily pee on there. But if you notice it happening, go ahead and wipe it off, you know? Yeah. I understand yeah. not wanting yep. to touch the toilet seat. I get it. It's dirty. But so I, I, I got into my uh, investigator status a little bit, and I started noticing, oh, someone went to the restroom. So I would go to the bathroom after someone went to the restroom, <laughs> and I slowly <laughs> crossed them off. So now I'm pretty sure I know who the person is that is guilty of this fraudulent... Who the messy pisser is. <laughs> yes, I, I know okay. who the messy pisser is. And right. do I, I... But now I don't I don't know what this information is good for. Can, I can't confront nothing. the it's person. Nothing. It's good for yeah, nothing. I, now I'm, shoot, I'm, I'm hitting myself because there was no reason in doing this because I can't do anything with this information I've gathered. Except I mean, for yeah, now I just... Say? Except for now I just I look at this person with with a little bit of... Uh, yeah, you know, just kind of. Well, perhaps, perhaps when you're around the water cooler talking about football, you can bring up the fact that, uh, you know, Amy. Don't you hate it when someone pisses <laughs> on the seat? Don't you hate it when there's urine on the on the toilet seat? You know, what's what do the deal with urine on the seat? Is it my Jerry Seinfeld? <laughs> I mean, you just bend over, get some toilet paper, you wipe it off. Your hand doesn't get wet. You drop it in the toilet. It's well, all done. It's fine. because we all we all know the toilet seat that has like the gap right there, so where you don't have to pick up the toilet seat each time. But if you notice that you you spray a little bit or there's some splashback, just rip off some toilet paper. Wipe it up because there's nothing worse than if they're obvious. There's already nothing worse than if you if you have to have to pop it, talk to drop the Browns off at the Super Bowl at work. Like that's already bad enough. But then if you do that and then you sit down and realize that there's cold liquid on the toilet seat, that's just like come on, man. Like, well, so, you never sit on it that without looking and cleaning well, if necessary, Kevin. Well, no, you don't. You don't. Say you, you, you don't didn't. anymore. You don't anymore. Yeah. What's a mistake you only make once? Um, <laughs> yeah. No. Um, oh, God. But so, so what is it? Uh, be sweet and raise the seat. And if you sprinkle, uh, wait. Wait a second. <laughs> All right. I'll have to think about that a little more. There is, be there's sweet a and raise rhyme. the seat. Uh, yeah, I don't know sprinkle, where you're going. wipe it up. But it rhymes. Yeah, but no. that doesn't have a good jingle to it. <laughs> If so you sprinkle when I you guess, tinkle, be sweet and wipe the seat. That's it. If you sprinkle when you tinkle, be sweet and wipe, wipe the seat. Okay. But, no, I mean, bring it up in like special, you know, around the water cooler and you just should be more careful. I agree. Yeah. But really what I figured out is I did this investigative research and there's not a whole lot I can do with this because I'm not calling out said person. I'm not going to go up to be like, look here, guy, wipe the toilet seat after you get, you know, I'm not going to be that person. No, but I know. Now, I mean, if it was at my house and it was like me and my buddies, and I fi- and I've narrowed it down to you know, it's Labot's always peeing on the seat, then I'm gonna call Labot <laughs> out. But right, right, no, <laughs> yeah, no. There was a guy at my work that did that, and he was an older guy, and I just assume maybe as you get older, your aim gets worse. I don't know. <laughs> so um, you just just roll with it. So well, all right. Well, so I'm still I'm stuck in this pickle, but. Let's go ahead and get on to how we always end the show. And I really wish, I hate that LJ's not here. This is, I always like hearing what LJ's listening to. But next week, next week we'll all be back and better than ever, as as Greeny would say. So stay tuned. But, Dad, what what are you listening to? I've been on the uh, the Counting Crows lately. And uh, my favorite album is is uh, Films About Ghosts. And I just, I mean, just 
put it on and, and listen to it front to back. It's is is that the one, one with of all round time. here or? Oh, it's but yeah, it's got round here. It's, Mr. it's Jones? got all. It's kind of almost a greatest hits, which I almost okay. hate to choose a greatest hits, but it's it's just so good uh, front to back. Their their latest. Well, I don't know if it's their latest, but. Uh, uh, underwater light bulbs or what we did last summer or something like that. It's covers of everybody else's song. I, I'm sorry. I was only going to say one. I'm only saying one <laughs> Fem, films about ghost counting crows. That's what I'm listening to. Well, interestingly, counting crows is always a good listen, but interestingly, you, you kind of prefaced it with, you hate to take kind of a best of album. And that's, that's exactly where I'm going to go actually is, so mm-hmm. I, I, the other day I was getting ready. It was actually this past weekend. I was going to drive up. I was driving to Boonville to see, mm-hmm. which a weird thing about Arkansas, Dad, they call Fayetteville, Fayetteville, all Arkansans. They call Fayetteville, Fayetteville, but they call Boonville, Boonville. Everyone. It's yeah. unanimous. Yep. It's weird. Yep. But it's, yep. ah, that's an aside. But so I was driving to Boonville to see all of you guys. And I was like, I want to play, I want to listen to some music. I want to listen to something. I don't really want to hear a podcast or anything. So I threw on, I saw, uh, on, I'm on the podcast, on the Spotify with you. And I saw, I think it was Lifts All Timers or All Timers. So I was like, ooh, mm-hmm. I'll just throw this playlist on. And, you know, naturally with a Lifter playlist, you, you, you just press play. So, <laughs> so I was, I just, boy. <laughs> I hit play, listened to like two or three songs, but then, some Bob Marley came on, and then I got the itch. I was like, I think One Love came on, or Buffalo Soldier. I'm not sure what came on, but something came on from Bob Marley. And mm-hmm. I was like, ah, uh, I kind of just want to go hear some Bob Marley. So I just went and listened to, is it Legend? Legend. Is that the, oh, with Bob yeah. Marley and the Whalers, and it's yes. him on oh. the cover? Yes. I'm telling yes. you, if you don't if you don't already, like if you know Bob Marley, and you kind of like some of like, if you just listen to Three Little Birds, and you like it, and you haven't really listened to Bob Marley a lot, there's a lot to go out there, and it's it's a it's if you just search it, there's so much to pick from. Just go listen to Legend, and man, that is every single song on there is a classic song. Gosh, I'm almost jealous you picked that, but I will stick by my Counting Crows because I that's do all love that's all Bob from you. Marley. I mean that that was all right. from Liff right there. But I mean that Bob Marley is the. I know it's stinking here because Bob Marley's the shit. He <laughs> was I mean, really good. I was I was really hesitant to move because I was like I put on this playlist. I was just gonna press play, but then when I, I looked, I typed in Bob Marley. Is before I got really driving and I was at a stop sign or at a red light, and I typed in Bob Marley and that legend Bob Marley and the Whalers legend popped up, and I was like, "Yep, that's what we're doing." And I put it on play, and man, just so I think it's the second song, back. Kevin. No woman, no cry. Ooh. I mean, which is probably my favorite song but do you know that and i can't remember where you can find the long version where they do the guitar solo at the end because it kind of cuts off and it's worth doing so find uh no woman no cry with the long guitar solo at the end that live version the live version is you know what fantastic i'll go find it one just because i want to hear it and listen to it but i'll go find it and i'll put it in the show notes as well so if anyone else wants to check it out but yeah Counting Crows, always good listen. Legend, Bob Marley and the Whalers, good listen. Classic. You know, that's all, all we do is we give the people just, if you're looking for, even though it's probably stuff you've already heard, but you're just looking for something that different that you haven't listened to in a while, we just throw out great, great stuff all the time. That's all we do. So Just press play. That's all you do. All right. Well, that's going to do it for, um, Pops, I'm glad you were able to make some time. We were able to jump on and, and get something out for this week. I think it was pretty good. But next week, we'll be back full Full staff, me, you, and L, 
we'll put out a full episode and we'll be back on a regular time so we might let buddy make a little (laughs) quick mark (laughs) yeah we don't we don't feature buddy every week so we'll see if buddy features again i'm gonna leave a little bit of that in there so (laughs) but stay tuned we got some fun topics next week we're already it's a good show coming up and it's gonna be fun we'll have we'll have l back i'm sure he'll be ready he'll be fired up he's been held in for a week so and for this week, by the way, you can always catch us on on Facebook at Just Press Play Podcast, or you can find us on Twitter at JPP Pod, or you can uh, hit us up on our website at JPPPod.com or JustPressPlayPod.com. Uh, we put our show notes, everything we talk about's in there. Uh, our our uh, what we're listening to, Pops is updating that, so I mean you can go back and listen. Like if you remember something from a couple episodes ago. And Dad's going to keep ripping up paper and stuff so you can hear it throughout this outro. So, for, <laughs> for this week's episode, it's me, Kev. Dad. I'm out. Peace. We out. Thanks for playing. <laughs>